Hi, this is Taste Buds, and I'm your buddy, Corey. This episode of Taste Buds is brought to you by Foodora, Canada's number one food delivery app. Are you tired of eating the same packed lunch every day? Bored with that place across the street where you've only ever ordered the chicken Caesar wrap? Well, friends, Foodora has hundreds of options for great meals you're going to love, and they bring it right to your door or even your desk. Listeners of Taste Buds, a very savvy group of diners, will save $12 on their first Foodora order by using the promo code TASTEBUDS. It's late on a Monday night. I'm at the Northern Maverick Brewing Company, a microbrewery and restaurant. It's getting harder and harder to find people to work in restaurants. Chefs tell me that for every 20 resumes they get, maybe two people show up for an interview. And half the time, new hires don't show up or just quit on their first day. My guests tonight, who represent three generations of cooking, know all about this. Ange McCluskey, who cooks here at Northern Maverick, is kind of a drill sergeant, mentor, and den mother all in one. She's in charge of training new hires, cooking school grads with little to no experience. Eric Wood was a chef for 20 years. Now he scouts kitchen talent and connects people with better jobs than the ones they've been busting their asses for in fancy restaurants. And cook Lily Hu is near the beginning of her career. But she's already cooked at Momofuku and Scaramouche, so she could be working anywhere she wants in this city. As anyone who works in restaurants can attest, this type of cross-generational conversation, which is at times confrontational or awkward, doesn't happen often, if ever. And under normal circumstances, we would never get to hear it. But this is Taste Buds. dig myself into this here. Mmm. They look good. Well, we thought this was, a, the fries are sort of a vehicle for some of our hot sauces, which okay. are all made here. The hot sauces, can you take us through them? Uh, we can. Uh, this is my famous inner beauty, because um, that's what I have. <laughs> what does that uh, mean? <laughs> no, 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 it's my, it is my famous inner beauty. That's so, the name of it. Um, when I was in Harlem, I made a hot sauce. This is the hot sauce. So what kind of chilies are in the inner beauty? Uh, habaneros. Habaneros. Yep, it's it's mango hab, and it mm. complements the bone marrow mm. very very well. Sweet, spicy, and zippy. All right, so we gotta get we gotta be respectful of this bone marrow and get in here. I met Ange at La Carnita. Shucking corn for days and I was there for days. this uh, uh, column kitchen temp nay stage. So you know the column was, and that's how I met you as well. I'd spent a day in a restaurant kitchen and. I didn't understand what you were doing at first because I saw this place has an executive chef who runs the chain of restaurants. It has a chef de cuisine who's the individual chef for that restaurant. And then it's got a bunch of cooks. And then there's this woman who is separate from everyone, but she seems to have authority over many of the people here. And she's working hands-on with the least experienced person in the kitchen. I was like, what's going on? That's a great system. Like, when did you start cooking? Um, I have been cooking since, for a paid job, uh, since I was 15 years old. And what got you into it? Um, I grew up in a large family. My, my nana cooked for everybody, and I cooked with her, and it was just what we did. And so I needed a job. Um, I had left my family very early, and um, I could cook. It was as simple as that. 
And for a very long time, I mean, I shouldn't say, even today, people still don't always know what to do with me. But when I was much younger, they didn't know what to do with me um, because I was a child and I was a girl and it was uh, not a career that people necessarily chose. It was considered mm-hmm. very blue collar um, and it was very carny-like, which it still is, but in a different way. But I wanted to do this, and I wanted to learn how to make bread, and I wanted to butcher, and I just, I wanted to do it, so I did. So many young people now, like, they're, they're graduating, they're already calling themselves chefs, and right. they're ready to be chefs, but, like, was that attitude different then? Oh, my God, you would never consider yourself a chef. I remember being told midway through my career, taking a job in a bakery that everyone knows, And the owner said to me on one of my first days, he said, I know you think that you are somebody because, you know, you've worked here and here and here, but I want you to know that you are here and the bread is here. (laughs) The bread is above you. The bread is above me. What a prick. And, well, no, except here's the thing. I remember being hugely insulted at the time he said that to me and thinking, why am I even here? And realizing within a very short period of time that that was one of the greatest analogies um, I'd been given. And I should remember my position within the industry. Bow to the bread. I didn't think that I would be a sous chef till I was 35, because that was the expectation that was set. Yeah, you're not 20 yet. And I didn't think, and I thought that I wouldn't be ready to be an executive chef till I was 45. And that, that was, was based on your peers. That was what you figured the timeline was. That was the yeah. expectation that was set for me going out of school. Was like that is what a life in this industry is like, mm. and and that was good. I uh, like everyone at 25 who was talented and won a bunch of awards. Someone offered me a chef job and some money, and I took it. And that was way too early. You know, I wouldn't have had the career I have without that. But I sometimes think like, what if I had had the patience? What if I had had the fortitude to wait? Uh, how much better would my craft be? How much stronger would it be? Because once you're the chef, boy, you're on your own but your learning really gets stunted. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in your your days cr- are no longer devoted to exploration. Your days are devoted to training Numbers. the next generation. And training. And when you're 25 and you're trying to dictate to a bunch of people that are 29 how they should do the food, you know, I was, I was a mean little thing uh, for a while. And, uh, and then I learned how to be a good person, I think. Uh, <laughs> how did you learn how to be... <laughs> A good person by being humbled, by being on last, you know, double secret probation in a job. So you got your comeuppance. I got told if you act like that again, or if you, you know, single out a server saying everyone gets a staff meal except you. Oh, um, you didn't do that. I did. Oh Aww. yeah. Oh for sure. Um, because I had the power. Because I was the chef. I had my name on my jacket. You know, I think everyone goes through that. And I had some bosses that said, "You're very good, but you're also very bad." Did you ever throw anything? Uh, I don't think anything ever left my hand. So, so you threatened to throw things at people. I, I might have. I might have. I'm not going to confirm or deny. But, you know, and then I took the right job. I took a job training youth at risk. And if you ever want to try to, if you want to work with a bunch of ex-gang members and people that will stab you, that'll teach you how to talk to someone. <laughs> um, and it opened my eyes to like the humanity of that everyone's dealing with something and how you get more out of people by investing in them than you do out of cracking a whip on them. What was your expectation early on? I mean, you said you're five years into your career? Mm-hmm. 
Why did you choose a kitchen? Why I choose a kitchen? Yeah. Like, why, why did you say, I'm going to be a cook? Uh, my dad cooks for a living, and it's just sort of my upbringing, that being our sort of means of communication. Mm -hmm. uh, however, he doesn't, like, really encourage it because of the low pay, because of just, like, the physical element of it long term. He knew term. the life you were getting into. Yeah, he's like, do you want carpal tunnel? <laughs> there it is. And still, like, he'll just be like, hey, it's time to, like, find a real job. Like, how, I was like, Dad, what does, like, real job mean, though? And he goes, you know, don't you want to be served instead of the person serving? So it's just also this, like, generational, I don't know, ideals about what professions or careers mean in this day and age. But I love food, and I love learning about cultures. You know, getting to break bread with people, like, it, there's this element of warmth and, like, just getting to know people on that level. You are so lovely. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I mean, it, it really, it's, it's clearly you were raised well. Were you expecting to become a chef, meaning like running your own restaurant? And, mm. and did you have a timeline for that? I don't think I really had a timeline, but I had this sort of like unrealistic expectation that I would be like 25, okay, sous chef position. But my dad was like, you know, I don't think a true chef is really a chef until like they're 50. And I was kind of like, what? So, you should be a good parent to be a good chef. Well, you need to be somewhat infallible because things change on the fly and you've got a bunch of people behind you yeah. that are looking to you mm -hmm. to set the tone and being able to say, this is what we're going to do, even though you have no idea that's going to work. <laughs> and you just have but to you sell, sell it. it. There's the old adage, you're only as good as your, your last service. And it's true because I have seen people that have crashed and burned. They lost the confidence of their team and they had to walk away. We put so much pressure on, on that role. It makes some people rise, but we don't give people, in general, enough time to get there. This episode of Taste Buds is brought to you by Foodora, Canada's number one food delivery app, which we're gonna use right now to order dinner because we've been working on this show, and now producer Ali Graham and I we're hungry and tired, and we're not going to go home and make dinner for ourselves. Great. Okay, so I'm going to click on Doink Burger Priest. Ooh, okay, they have, like, a classic. You got very excited. Well, yeah, because they, they have, like, this fun, like, they have classic. So now, as yeah. soon as I select, it gives me a few choices. Bacon cheeseburger, fiery furnace, double hamburger, or the option. we got two cheeseburger combos Great. coming. Okay. Your order has been received. Estimated delivery time, 33 minutes, and then it says, you know, it'll inform me in the next stage when your order is being prepared. Yeah. Okay, Corey, so Fedora order has just arrived. What do we got here? Oh! Got our Bergs? What is that? Okay, so there's a Maltesers in my order, which I did not order, but I'm very happy about. That's a little bit bonus. Are you serious? I've got... They've partnered with thousands of your favorite restaurants, so they've always got the meals you love, the ones you've been dying to try, and even the food you didn't know existed. You heard it here first. Foodora. Order food you love. And new customers can use the promo code TASTEBUDS to get $12 off their first order. Order food you love. Order food you love. I've been in restaurants working and there's a staff of 20 and two people are getting paid. <laughs> and, and that's because people will do it. 
it builds the resume. When someone's on a stage for like six months, okay, that's something. But someone who does that one week, you know, I went on vacation and I spent three days in this kitchen and it's on their resume, should it be? No. It should be a lovely conversation that you have yeah, when you absolutely. see someone turning potatoes. You say, oh my goodness, I, I, I was but, with so-and-so and that's what we did there. But the fact is, is that there's a whole bunch of people who have a 40-seat restaurant and a dream and a little too much money who go, our chef worked at Noma. Right. Or our chef worked here. And they market that and they latch onto that. And it's actually a false thing because you got a 24-year-old person who's spent two weeks in a great restaurant and, you know, the rest of their career was... It's almost unfair because if you throw someone into water that's too deep, they're going to drown. Yeah. And Noma is Mm -hmm. kind of that one right now. And I I know they're guilty of this. And Um, I asked how how a business could justify two-thirds of its labor force working for free. And he was like, you can't think of it like a business. Right. It's a way of life. It's a, you know, I was like, that's wonderful. That's very European of you, but from a labor standard perspective, it sounds, it sounds very unkosher, but it's not the majority volume of labor in those kitchens, you know? It's usually like, in a kitchen of 10 to 15 people, you maybe have a couple people at a time doing stage, which is different, but I'm talking about the actual pay, you know? And I've, I've talked to people who are like, they're doing, you know, 125 to 150 dollars for a day rate for a 12-hour to a 14-hour day, which is less than minimum wage. It is less than minimum wage, and the fact that kids don't stand up for themselves makes me insane. The fact that every restaurant should have the purple and the green Labor Ontario uh, books available so that people can look it up. They should... You're saying we should have the same transparency we have with, like, the health inspections? Yes. With the labor inspections? Yes, I do. But then the labor inspectors would actually have to do surprise inspections. Yes, they would. And that is never going to happen. But what I have found, like, if you let yourself get taken advantage of from the get-go, you keep going. It's like water finds its own level. So people will say to me, oh, yeah, fuck, you know, don't go there. I, I was paid a buck 25 and it was, it was ridiculous. It's like, well, why did you accept that? Why does anyone accept anything when they're young and inexperienced and just learning how the world works? Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of, like, agency and, like, autonomy and responsibility that, like, a young person, like, myself, like, I am I supposed to negotiate right off the bat come out of culinary school? Like, actually, chef, that's unfair. Why yes. would you do this to me? For, for having the chutzpah. It's like... But you're not taught this. Is what yeah. I'm saying. That's yeah. where you, you as a generation is being failed. I think there's and a couple things there. From? You went to cooking school? Right. And you paid them money? Yes, I did. You? It should come from them. Exactly. No? That's true. That's an institution yeah. you, that should have set to... me up to go into the real world to be like, negotiate or pay. How do you ask for a raise? It should also come from your mom and dad or whoever is your caretakers. If like they I are believe financially good... educated, yes. But if you have sort of different background, I have immigrant parents who obviously have managed to break even. So that's my financial yeah. support background. And they're not going to say like, hey, when somebody like pays you this much, you should ask for more. It's like, uh, they're paying you. That's good. And then um, the metric system is on the authority to dictate how much I'm worth to them. Right? That's a tricky... That's a, that's a very loaded question, how much you're worth to them. I, I think that people get very tied up in the idea of this is what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm worth more. Of course someone's worth more. Sometimes the business can't pay more. So then what is my sort of, I guess, incentive to continue, like, working for that person? 
other than yeah. like obviously like enjoying the work itself, but long term, like okay, I'd like say to passion. Exactly. They give you that line, right? They would give you that line, but and cost of living being high, like how do I pay your rent with passion? No. So you have two jobs, and sometimes you have three jobs, or you have a side hustle where you cater, and the reason you stay with that person and that job that you love is because you have that friendship and that relationship, and you know that 20 years down the road or 30 years down the road, you're still going to be connected with that person or that group of people. Sure, that's a great like loyalty card. Yeah. But in terms of just like growth and wanting to, I guess, pay the bills, needing to pay the bills, that is like then you then you have a side hustle. That's that's yeah. the answer in this industry. While you work yes. five days a week, I work seven days a week, and I've been doing that for decades. And I'm not saying it's for everyone, but by doing that, I have allowed. Myself to buy a house, have a career that is not illustrious. Nobody knows who I am except Corey, but it's provided me with a quality of life and and a caliber of life and people that I'm just so grateful to know. That's my reward. But and you can have that too. If, if I worked seven if days you a week, yes, worked your ass off. You did not Absolutely. look like you liked the idea of. It's, no, I don't want to burn out early in my career. I do not want. To have well, I, you get physically like worn down. Obviously, yes, of course. I could tell right? you. You want to hear about my sciatica? Let yeah. me tell you. Oi, right. And so is there's always that sort of pick and choose where it's just like, do I want to, you know, have carpal tunnel? This is really interesting because we've got effectively three generations in the culinary thing, and I 100% see what you're saying. And that amount of time. Is a lot. There's a lot more to do other than just work. And I think, like when I was of the the perspective that you know, I'm going to work, 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 and then it's going to get me somewhere. I always looked at putting in those extra hours as like paying tuition. You yes. know, it was it was how I was getting how to the you next would step. Learn. Yeah. And I mean, and, and in my culinary career, I got to a stage where I was able to work one job and regular hours and made a good living and was able to buy a house. Like for a younger generation, it doesn't matter how hard you work, you will never be able to buy a city a house in this city. Yeah, it's impossible. You can't do it. Yeah, you know. But I don't think that the answer is work until you fall apart. I don't. I don't think that that's the answer. I it's think it's very unhealthy. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's like let's talk about physical health, but let's also talk about mental health. I mean, I uh, I think that's there's been a big light that's been shone on that in the last couple of years around what it does to people's heads and and some pretty high profile examples of people going over the deep end. Yeah, I've been incredibly fortunate in the kitchens that I've worked in over. I'm going to say the last ten years is sort of a blanket. That people have been understanding and compassionate, um, and there have been a couple of situations that were particularly tragic with uh, former coworkers. You learn to spot when people uh, are suffering different addictions. You learn to know when somebody's quiet because they're having a situation in a different country with their family, because yep. so often um, that's the case. And if you are a decent soul, you try and make the difference, and you try and you check in. You know. I think it's I think it's important for leaders to set the example. Yeah. And I would always, you know, I was really guilty of being like, you got to take care of yourself. And then during busy seasons like the Christmas season, working a 14-hour day, going to emergency, being on an IV to get rehydrated, going into work after but two hours of sleep, up for, right, yeah. going into sleep. 
going back yeah. into work and doing that for three, four days in a row where I'd be in the emergency room every night, but not even talking about it. And no, that's not okay. Mm. It's also being okay with leaving. Yep. Because I, I know that I, early in my career, put a, put a boning knife through my arm. Oy. And tied it off and worked the and rest still of my shift. Your shift. Right? No, but that's, that's crazy. Why you, that's why what you would do. Did you put a boning well, knife you your arm? Boning out a hip of beef, sure. oh and went right in through there. And oh dude, did you mistake your arm for you? Just no, it slipped. It slipped. Just, okay. You know, it's tendon, a leg of beef is ginormous. Tendon, you know, boom, right yeah. in, tied it off and finished my shift. But why? Because that's what you because would do. Because we culturally, busy. exactly. How fucked is that? And I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave because. I'm going to put these up, put my, my team in jeopardy. And in the hours you spent on the line cooking during that shift, did you did it go through your head that maybe I'll lose this arm and I'll have one arm <laughs> yeah. for the rest of my life? No. Or did you just think, can't let the team down, bro? No, I, I was counting down the covers. I was going, we've got 45 left to come in. And I wasn't going to let the team down and I wasn't going to let my guests down. It's a very, very sick philosophy yep. to be like, I'm not going to. And people coming in you know, like so sick they can hardly walk and not being sent home. I mean, we're dealing with food. We yep. need to, you need to be better we, about we that. We send people home. And, people and, cut themselves. Yeah, and people, we send them to the hospital. People need to be okay. They need like, to be okay to do people, that. I've had people that I've said, you need to get out of here. Yeah. And they said, no, chef, I'm good, I'm good. I'm gonna, I don't want to let anyone down. And that's, that's that guilty sort of overriding cultural, so it's not, like, and it's, and it's where so it's do pressure. you get these, you, these attitudes weren't born in a vacuum. They weren't brought on by your parents. Like, no, it's, you get uh, it comes from everyone reading Kitchen Confidential. <laughs> you're going to tough it out. Yeah. You've got a knife hey. in your arm. There's but this, even if you've never read that book, you're in a room full of people yeah, it's who very, brag when they're sick. They're like, I'm, yeah. I'm dying over here. I have the flu yeah. and I'm working. I have people a broken will, arm and I mean, I'm working. Invariably, two or three things happen when a bunch of chefs split a bunch of beers. I haven't sure it might happen still today, which is we're going to roll up our sleeves and start showing battle wounds. This is the time I did mm -hmm. this. this. I'll show you the knife wound. You know, and people, it's a badge of honor to have been wounded doing the craft. So it goes back yes. to the right. brothers in arms. I mean, right. the kitchen is based on the military. Yeah, it, absolutely. And there is like this almost, I mean, I left the operational kitchen about two years ago and I still wake up to the sound of a chip printer, right? Or do you, sometimes you'll be in a store and you'll hear a noise yeah. and it sounds like so a chip machine. So it's kind of like PTSD. Yes. I'm not all going to cheapen real PTSD, but it's similar. It's like yep. you've been through something and, and, you know, going through a really, really, really bad service pulls people together. There's yep. this camaraderie. Sure, that's great, but also that situation in terms of your your health. I like oh, had to get okay. stitches once, yeah. and I remember the sous chef being like, I cut my finger once, and I still did. I was just like, this is not a Absolutely. pissing contest. No. My health, you. like, yeah. you owe nothing if I, like, die. Like, yeah. what is yeah. that to you? And I think a lot of the attitude where some chefs are saying, people these days are not cut out of the same cloth, just because, you know, I, I hope they heard that eye roll. Um, <laughs> but eye roll. people are just standing up for themselves. No names, but what's the dumbest thing you've seen a young cook do in the kitchen? Um, I made a quiche, uh, and it had leeks and gray owl cheese. But I wrote on the board that it had leeks and gray owl. Mm -hmm. And that's all that I wrote because I assumed <laughs> that everybody that would that know it was a quiche, right? Cheese. 
Yeah, and so anyways, one of the servers came back, middle of service, they'd been serving quiche all, all brunch, yeah. and said, is it um, legs or thighs? <laughs> and I, but she really thought that it was an owl, and the customer that she was serving really thought so too, which was equally as terrifying. And they were digging and through their dish with their knife and fork looking she, for the well, owl No, parts. they weren't going to order it if it was thighs because they would prefer breasts. <laughs> Because I always prefer owl breast too. Yeah. Um, well, I was teaching somebody like to shuck oysters, and they like cut their finger, but for some reason didn't feel comfortable to say that they had done that, and there was just blood on the side of the rim. Oi. And they put it in the window, and I was sort of like, "Oh, what is this? Like, is is this your blood?" And I was just like, why, like, in what universe would that ever, like, you would never just yeah. give me something blood and have me eat it? Like, this makes no sense. They it put a just, bowl of raw oysters with blood on it. It was like with ice. It. it was like, oh, yeah, was it they were shocking, but they cut up themselves. Well, so it's on ice, so it's it's okay. safe. Yeah. They put it up on the pass. Right. Is that the time for the talk? Yeah. This may not <laughs> That's be the, the time for the talk. <laughs> but I see it because it's like someone, you know, you're in an environment, you're new, mm -hmm. you're nervous. Uh -huh. And someone's yelling at you, put those oysters up, put those oysters up. And you yeah. just go, okay, okay. there it is. Right. Um, Can either of you top the blood and the oysters? That's yeah. a pretty good one. You know, early in, my, early in my career, before I was running a place, I saw a guy fall into a deep fryer. What? Leg first. He put was standing foot. on the oven to wipe the hoods above Standing him. on the oven and, and braced his foot on the deep fryer, slipped and put his foot into the deep oh fryer. And if you know how a deep fryer works, they usually have a channel and his foot got oh caught and we had God. to pull him out. How long had the fryer been off? Uh, like two minutes. Oh my God. Yeah, it was an emergency room. We, we called him cottage leg for the rest of his, his time there because his leg looked like cottage cheese. Oh, how hilarious. Well, you know, it's That's what you do early awful. on. Awful. And yeah, normally when was... you get up on the stove, you put an upside down baking pan over the fryer to make sure, usually it's so that soapy water doesn't drip into the fryer oil, but I would guess also so you don't yeah. step into a hot fryer. You're it's right, so, do so that. that was, I mean, that was just, I'll never forget that smell. Oh. And it's so nice to have met you. And, and you also, but I did. <laughs> More I, I so know nice I, to meet her, I get it. You know what I'm saying, I mean, there's, there's a certain understanding. Thanks so much to Mark Guitrar at Maverick Brewery for letting us hang after hours. And a special thank you to our buds, Ange McCluskey, Eric Wood, and Lily Hu for sharing so candidly with us. The producer of Taste Buds is Ali Graham. Sound design and mixing by Chandra Bullocon. Canada Land's managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Theme music is by Nathan Burley. This is the final episode of season one. We are eager to get started on season two, but whether or not we make another season depends entirely on you. The audience for the show has grown every week, so we know you're out there. But to continue making the show, we need your support. Rate us on iTunes. Write a review. It really does help reach more people. Recommend us to your friends and your non-foodie friends, because those are the people I think are really going to like the show. And let's be real. We can't wait to start making more episodes. And with your help, buds, we'll do it. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.